support behind her. And we're not there to make decisions. We're certainly not there to make decisions for couples. We're not even there to provide the direct information. We're there to help them find the information that, or ask the right questions and to give them that support in their beliefs so that they get the birth that they want. So it's a lot of... Um, we talk about in the donor training that I did the, um, with Penny Simkin, she and Deborah Pascali Bonero, she they talk about the the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you think of that 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 um, tri pyramid, and while we have the medical team and the care the caregivers such as the midwives there to look after the physiological needs of birthing mums. We're there at doulas to look after the emotional needs, so the next layer up. So we're looking, we're taking care of all the heart stuff and making sure that a mum has that emotional experience that she will think of her birth in a positive way for the rest of her life, even if it didn't turn out like she wanted, even if she ended up with something that was not what she planned on, was she honoured in that experience? Did she feel ex supported in that experience? Did she feel empowered in the decisions that were made? And that's and that, that's a role of a doula to really help her feel that that happened. Welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land where I live, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people within Australia. I aim to bring you collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. The gorgeous little song that you heard in the intro and the outro is called The Littlest Birds. It was performed by the Oluca family band from the Olive Gap Farm. It was originally performed by the Be Good Tanyas and generously sponsored by the Olive Gap Farm, which is a certified organic family farm specialising in small batch native essential oils and seasonal cut flowers. I highly recommend checking out their tea tree oil online. They are located on Bundjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia and draw on inspiration from various sustainable farming practices to create a high quality product that's equally nourishing to us and the earth. You can check out links to their website and social media in the show notes. everyone, welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast. I've got Nadine O'Mara from Conscious Life Yoga and Conscious Birth. Nadine has a strong passion for supporting women and their families from conception to birth and beyond. Nadine is also the co-director of Bliss Baby Yoga, which you may have heard of. I interviewed Anna Davis early on, I think episode four, um, author of Moving with the Moon. And she chatted about Bliss Baby Yoga a bit in that one. And Nadine is a senior yoga teacher, doula and mother with over 20 years experience practicing yoga. So thanks for being here, Nadine. Thank you, Shelley. It's a, such a delight to talk about my favourite topic. Yeah, it's, it's great. We can sit in our offices and homes and just have a great chat about our passions. What awesome yeah. technology. As I was saying, exactly. I've just loved podcasts for that. And when I first set out to do it, my intention was obviously to create. I didn't. I like writing, but I didn't enjoy blogging much. So I was like, okay, I'll podcast. I love that. I love chatting. Um, and then it didn't really dawn on me. I couldn't believe it until I started actually having the chats in my kitchen. I was like, oh, this is great. I get to sit in my kitchen and have these wonderful chats. Yeah. Send the kids yeah, off somewhere. Yeah, it was, <laughs> <laughs> about these juicy women-centred juicy women-centred conversations around topics that we really don't get enough time to talk about huh yeah that focus time that's it exactly 
So um, I'm going to hand over to you a little bit to just give people a bit of a background of who you are and you've been practicing yoga for 20 years, but maybe a little touch on what that moment was for you when you were drawn to teach yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I started te- uh, practicing yoga in my early twenties. So yeah, time, where has the time gone? Um, but I, was inspired to become a yoga teacher when I was living in London. And I think my, my life was literally falling down around my ears. My partner that I'd moved over for, we broke up. I was struggling with an eating disorder. I wasn't quite sure where I was, what I was doing, whether I should run back to Australia with my towel between my legs, which I really didn't want to do. And I'd been practicing yoga um, at the... Iyengar Institute in London, but um, there was a local hot yoga studio just up the road and I started attending there and it was the middle of winter in London and as a typical Australian, I wasn't used to that freezing cold. <laughs> and so I started going to this hot yoga studio and, it, and not only did I love getting into the, the warmth, but also it encouraged, that studio really encouraged people to come regularly, like three times a week at least. So I started making that the most important thing in my life. And it was really what gave me that um, support that I was yearning for and needing for at that time. So it was showing up on my mat literally every other day. And it wasn't an easy practice. It was an incredibly strong practice. It was one of those hot yoga studios with the the mirror in front of you as well. You had to look at yourself in the eye all the time. And I have to say it really saved me. And it created a better relationship with myself so that my eating disorder really helped heal my eating disorder. Um, It gave me the strength to, uh, to stay where I was and continue on the journey that I really believed in. And so having had that experience through yoga, I really then wanted to share that with other people and support or help other people find this beauty of yoga. So that's when I trained, did my first teacher training um, as a yoga teacher. And then it went on from there. I'd, I've done a couple of, um, of 500-hour te- uh, teacher trainings. And that then held me until I first became pregnant. Wow. That's awesome. So you sweated through your heartbreak. And then <laughs> I did. You had the feeling there. I'm sure it. I'm sure it must have helped me with um, with conceiving as well, because we know that yoga is so good for our fertility. So when it came to conceiving my first baby, I still I I kept on with the yoga teaching, um, and that's I guess it really supported me through that time as well. So practiced lots of prenatal yoga, um, and and that and under an active birth teacher as well, and so. I think it really then took me into having very positive birth experiences too. Mm, okay. Yeah. And I love that um, there was also that aspect of your eating disorder and that you're quite open about how that really helped you. So it's almost yeah. like a heartbreak happened and then you just threw yourself into that. And as a, almost a side effect, um, it helped you heal these other issues that were going on. That's awesome. <laughs> It was amazing. I think, yeah, for, I think yoga is amazing for a relationship, positive relationship with ourselves as women. Um, it really helps see my body in a good, in a more positive light. And I learned to love my body. Um, you know, it did change my body physically. I have to say that as well, because I was practicing a lot. So there was a change in my metabolism. Um, I felt stronger. I stepped lighter. I, my, my whole relationship with myself changed so much so that I thought, I've got to share this with other people. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't get enough yoga in my life at that point. So it really became like food and water to me. I love those stories. Yeah, and you can really see and hear the passion in you and other people when they've been through something and it's just been mm. so powerful and profound. They're like, I've got to get this out there. I've got to be sharing. And that's beautiful yeah. too because then that sort of reinforces that practice for you and it takes it to another level. And so yeah. did you get into the um, fertility and birth and 
pregnancy and beyond yoga from through your own experience of motherhood or were you already sort of interested in doing that beforehand? No, I have to say it was through when I became pregnant with my first baby and I really enjoyed teaching um, prenatal yoga. I, I remember my the teacher I went to asking me at the time if I'd cover her class and at the time I was too overwhelmed. I thought, no, I can't step into your shoes. I haven't done my prenatal teacher training. And But I went on... Um, my experience of my first birth or my first pregnancy was that I was um, still in the UK. I was living in Brighton and I was under the care of the NHS. But my mother-in-law is a um, well-known obstetrician over there. And she said to me at about 25, 30 weeks, oh, have you thought about a home birth? And I was like, mm, I don't know, first baby, not quite sure about that. And um, she offered to very kindly provide me with an independent midwife so I could give birth at home. And my partner was fully on board with the idea. It did take me a while to get my head around it, but we lived down the road from the hospital at that point and I thought, well, you know what, if it all goes to pot, they can put me in a supermarket trolley and wheel me up the road <laughs> to the hospital. So with this in mind, I went, okay, that would be great. I'd love to do do the home birth and so at about 32 weeks we we got an independent midwife and I learned so much from her and I had a really positive birth experience I mean it was intense um, my first baby was you know about the standard 12 hours of um, established labor but I had her in water in my living room it was um, you know I didn't need to think about whether I needed drugs or, or even gas or air it was a really empowering positive experience and it was after having that experience that I then wanted to get more involved in the world of birth. So that's when I looked at training as a prenatal yoga teacher and started teaching a little bit in the UK um, and then started doing more. At the time, I was doing some more training um, under the British Wheel of Yoga and I did that pregnant with uh, having had one baby and then pregnant to the other and with the second and I used to have the Hatha Yoga Pradipika under the pram. Whenever she fell asleep, I'd sit there with my big yoga texts and, and study um, yoga classical texts. So that continued and then I got more involved after my second, uh, I think pretty much around my second baby with teaching prenatal yoga. Um, and again, both practising prenatal yoga through both pregnancies was, I think, foremost in the positive experiences of birth that I had you know it gave me the tools it gave me the the relationship with my very quickly changing body it taught me how to breathe better and all those active birth techniques that I think all women need to know for for in their preparation for birth mm, yeah so I'd love you for you to expand a bit more because yoga is so holistic and it's definitely that physical aspect like labor and birth and the contractions you being physically prepared for that um, really helps. So, yeah, the positioning, being, you know, able to squat and all of the different positions that help. But there's also the breathing and the spiritual side that is, I found. So I'm not a yoga teacher, but I've done also done yoga fairly regularly on and off. <laughs> I'm intermittent and it's I'd say the last years have been less. But um, in my first pregnancy in 2012, um, I also had a home birth and, but I transferred, so I transferred to hospital, but through the labor in my living room, in the pool, it was really my yogic breathing that yeah. I drew upon and mm. it was so powerful. So yeah, I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on, yeah, that holistic aspect of yoga, the physical plus the breath work and that spiritual kind of meditative mindset that can really help. Well, I think that, um, you know, the benefit of yoga during pregnancy and in preparation for birth is multidimensional because, as you said, Shelley, there, is, there are so many layers. So, you know, you've got the physical side, yes, where we're, um, A, we're learning active birth positions, positions that are really good for the optimal positioning of baby to get baby into that good position so that they're, um, so that for birth can be a lot faster if they're in a, that um, occiput position. You've also have the benefit of strengthening our body too, because most of us know birth is not often a walk in the park and we need to be at our strongest really so that we can maintain or endure a birth, if, especially if it goes for a long time. So 
you know, a good prenatal yoga class shouldn't just be sitting on the floor breathing. We're also provide, we're also creating that sense of strength in our bodies. We have that connection with our breath. So whether we learn specific birth te- breathing techniques for birth or it's just that understanding and relationship with our breath, we really learn that during a prenatal yoga class so that we're comfortable with following the breath and we're comfortable with moving within our breath. Um, I mean, in my births, at the time, I didn't have any specific breathing tools other than ujjayi breath, which is that soft baby, that baby snore. And I remember I breathed that almost all the way through both my labours because that was what was comfortable to me. But I do have to say it did make me feel a little lightheaded at one point. So I don't particularly recommend that you practice ujjayi all the way through your birth. <laughs> but it certainly helped guide me, especially at, the, at those moments where I started to feel that sort of out-of-body experience. Can you just um, explain to people what that is? Ujjayi, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Ujjayi is that, um, it's that oceanic breath that you hear if you go to a yoga class, particularly an Ashtanga yoga class where people are heavy breathing. It's the, uh, the I guess there's a um, constriction at the base of the throat so that if you were to make a sound like you were, almost like you were fogging up a mirror, mm. it's that sort of breath that, I don't know if you can hear me over the mic, but it's a real... It's like a soft guttural. Guttural's too harsh, but take guttural down a few notches. Yeah. yeah. And, and the benefit of that sort of breath is that it makes your breath audible so that you can follow it and you can breathe, you know, and you can breathe it with your partner even. And that, that, that being able to hear the sound of your breath can be immensely calming to just, and it also helps you breathe deeper and it helps your exhale become longer too, which is very, which, you know, when we lengthen our exhalation, that helps soothe our nervous system. And so the more that we can be in our parasympathetic nervous system, that relaxation response, the better we are set up for birth and the more easily birth will progress. So again, it's that multidimensional layer, right? You know, we, we have the breath, that helps the nervous system. It helps calm our bodies. The other thing that I think is really um, beautiful about prenatal yoga is that connection with our baby. So lots of mums, we're busy, we're looking after other children, we're working, we're sometimes the only time mums get to have time to think that they're actually pregnant and connect with their baby is when they get onto their mat. So mums come to my classes, they get, they finally fly in the door, they've got there and they're like, oh, my God, I've got an hour and 15 minutes just to be here with my baby. Yeah, have you found that? Yes, absolutely, (laughs) especially I did yoga classes, not all the way through, but definitely at times with both. Um, Well, I've had three pregnancies, so my first um, I lost at birth and then the second two I really needed it. I was doing yoga, yeah, and I did it through all three. But um, my youngest, I was working in a women's and children's shelter up until towards the end and so yeah my yoga classes with a prenatal yoga teacher especially towards the end were that I would just get there and be like I feel like just going to sleep on the mat but (laughs) I'm not going to and it was really that slowing down and connecting because by that time I was chasing around a toddler and working and running around and yeah I think for that alone it's worth it and then you get all of these added strengthening and breath awareness um yeah things on top of it and i often offer to mamas too when they come in and you can see they're tired i'm like look if you just want to lie on the mat for your whole class you can you know i, I put that out to them they never take me up on it yeah. <laughs> but that you know the savasana the relaxation at the end i think it was the most in my own pregnancies, the best savasana in the entire world. You just wanted to stay there forever, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because that was coming only... at the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had a friend that used to say, she said, I only went to, she said, I used to go to prenatal yoga just for the yoga nidra at the end, which, you know, so that I could go through and relax and also see my baby. And she said it was just the best part. So, you know, we, we don't give ourselves enough time also, not only in pregnancy, but just as mothers in general, 
to relax deeply. And that's what um, Savasana or Yoga Nidra can really offer too. So that, that deep relaxation is another part of the whole, con- whole pro- um, benefit of prenatal yoga, um, but also connection with other mums. It's often the only time that mums come together with other pregnant mothers and get to share their story, you know, and be able to share the ups and downs and the, the joys and also the challenges that exist in that journey of pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my youngest last pregnancy was the only one that I was able to attend a specific prenatal yoga class because before that there wasn't any in this area. Uh, yeah. um, and it was beautiful because the teacher made time for uh, a cup of tea and mm. something to eat at the end and she gave us a journal and it was specific to that pregnancy, um, which was really beautiful, especially for some of the other mums where it was their first time and they might not have had many friends who had been pregnant or were pregnant. And it was that community as well. So, yeah, there's another layer, which is so important. And so it really follows through. So like you're saying, the positioning for active birth and then you can utilise all of that in labour and the breath work. But it's the beyond that I've found it the most powerful so I'm not necessarily on my mat at all at the moment and I should be (laughs) but in my most clear times as a mother it's when I can take the breath and get centered and then bring that into my mothering or at the end of the day if I've had a really tough day and I jump into bed and I can use that breath to calm myself down or do my own like yoga nidra or now I do it with my six-year-old I'll go through and do the breath at night time to calm her down so it's like that beyond the postpartum and motherhood and I'll touch on the postpartum a bit more but um yoga has really found new layers as well mm-hmm. yeah there the layers I mean the things that you learn in in yoga when you're pregnant you can take them all the way through to and use those tools as a mother again and again and again you know just learning how to breathe a lot of mums when they first come to class haven't done any breath work before it's completely foreign to them to think about how the way that they way they breathe so that is one of those those massive benefits and you know and as you were saying that um when you go to prenatal yoga for the first time even if you don't get to it as much second time you get to learn those active birth positions and the active birth positions and i i said um earlier occiput i meant anterior meaning the baby's spine facing away from you um those sort of positions become a part of you too and you carry those into the labor themselves and the more you practice those position it those positions you don't have to consciously think when you go into labor, oh, what did they say in the prenatal yoga class? What should I do? But you've practiced those positions enough so that when you go into labor, you automatically know where your body needs to be to get, you know, get that baby into the right position or make more space in the pelvis so that you become so much more intuitive in what your body needs. Mm, yeah, it almost becomes muscle memory. And mm, yeah. Going yeah. To- Um, And you mentioned before about the breath and elongating the exhale for the nervous system. And that Mm. is so important. I mean, obviously through birth because it impacts all the hormonal release, but then into the postpartum. Um, So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that before jump into the why of um, being a doula, why doulas are so amazing. So, I mean, you know, sorry. So So early (laughs) postpartum, um, Obviously, the yoga practice is going to look so different depending on someone's yeah. birth, but there's still a place for yoga in oh, a different way, isn't there? Mm. And, I mean, firstly, it might just be that breathing, the breathing practices, you know, when you're really early postpartum in those first few days, if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you've been reco- if you're recovering from a, a cesarean section or a belly birth, as some like to call it, that um, just being in your breath or, you know, the same with if you're having any breastfeeding problems, being able to find your breath and use your breath to calm you can be really helpful. And, um, And then also slowly your body as it starts to recover, you can start to then very gently start to um, invite some of those opening movements that we did in prenatal yoga into a postnatal practice because a mum when she's first had a baby, as you would know, you know, you're sitting there leaning forward a lot over your baby, trying to breastfeed 
and it's and your body's gone through the biggest day's work or couple of days work it might be like in its in your body's life there's a lot going on in healing and feeling a bit battered and bruised you really need to try and rest as much as you can in that first month or two so that your body heals better for the next year or so but those very um gentle yoga practices can be so beneficial in those first few weeks so on top of the breath you know the heart opening positions even just bringing your hands behind you opening through the heart gentle neck stretches maybe as time progresses some gentle pelvic lifts when you're on your back um, and even I often say to mums, look, as your baby starts to get older and you might start to give them some tummy time, pulling um, a cushion off your sofa so that you're sitting forward and you're taking that pressure off your lower back. Even those little techniques can start to change the way your body's deal coping with um, those early months of motherhood. Um, and, and yes, you're pregnant, you're your yoga practice looks completely different because you're not going to have a whole hour and 15 minutes to devote to yourself on your mat. So it's about squeezing in that little bit here and there when baby's asleep maybe, or just taking a little bit of time for yourself in a relaxation. Yeah, absolutely. And remembering that you can do the breath work while you're feeding. It's like integrating it in and making yeah. that habit, remembering to do it mm. in these moments, those little gaps and moments. So the breathing when you're breastfeeding, which is so important. And I think people underestimate how, what a toll on the body breastfeeding can take. And you mm. can, you know, learn different positions to make that easier and do the stretches and be supportive, but it's still holding this position and mm -hmm. the baby in front of you. And for a really long time, huh? Yeah, yeah, for, especially in the beginning. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, my postnatal classes, I, I often ask mums before we begin, what do you need today? Where are you feeling it in your body? And they almost always say the same places, middle back, lower back, shoulders, neck, because, they, you know, you spend, I mean, my first baby used to take two hours to feed. So you're sitting there for two hours feeding her. And so, of course, your body's just really stiff afterwards. And so those gentle movements to start to get your body, body moving it, uh, are important. And they also set up um, good habits as well for, for self-care as a mother as time continues. to Take those little moments to help your body um, deal with, you know, an ever-growing baby. Um, which is another thing, you know, as babies get heavier and, and we carry them so much, um, that, that's another reason that we really have to, we can use yoga to help support our bodies as our babies um, grow and become toddlers. Yeah, absolutely, especially as baby wearing is becoming more and more popular, which is such a beautiful okay. thing. But it does take a toll on the body, so remembering to you can bring that beautiful practice in, but you need to also support your body. I just had a massage yesterday. I mean, my youngest is over three, but I'm still, I feel like my body has changed so much and that I've got like these, um, a joke, like bodybuilding, wrestling. I mean, you're going to be looking at me going, no, you don't, but like my neck, I've got these solid muscles come up from my shoulders to my neck that never used to be. <laughs> they, need, um, they need softening. I need to be working on them more, more stretching. <laughs> Mums need massages as often as possible. I have to say it's been too long since I've had one. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because when you were talking, I was thinking, well, traditionally a lot of cultures would massage a mum in that fourth trimester, those, mm -hmm. that few weeks to month after birth. And not everyone has the luxury of having their Indian mama doing their Ayurvedic massage every day or to pay mm -hmm. someone. Or, yeah. But you can obviously try and invest in a couple, but being able to do the stretches provides that same or similar, not exactly the same, similar benefits of circulation, which is really what yeah, that definitely. massage is about after yeah. birth is the circulation. Whereas, um, especially as people are moving back to more traditional styles, even in a modern way of postpartum where they're resting a lot more, you need to find that movement for circulation too, which the massage once upon a time would have um, provided, but yet yeah, those gentle stretches and moving into different positions rather than just sitting or lying through yoga really would help with that. Definitely that gentle nourishment um, and restorative poses are really helpful during this time as well. You know, just 
Um, using a bolster and putting your legs up the wall is amazing for the nervous system. Or lying back because mums, you know, as I said, they're always leaning forward. So taking a bolster lengthways and just letting your body lie back over it, opening through your heart. Mums love that. Oh, or a, a, a block under the shoulder blades, like around your bra strap and, and a blanket under the head that really helps open the heart center. And just lying over that for five minutes can be so blissful and really counter um, at all that leaning forward and having to hold baby. So it's, yeah, it can be so good for the, the postnatal period. Mm, I'd love for you just to explain to people who might not have heard the term restorative yoga because mm. really what we're talking about is a lot of, especially in the postpartum, it's mostly restorative type poses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a little brief. Yeah. Um, I mean, restorative People often get yin and restorative mixed up. Yin is a um, very different type of poses, um, whereas restorative it, it really is really about finding that ah factor. As Anna Davis um, often talks about, it's that finding a pose using often a lot of supports like bolsters, blankets, chairs, blocks, whatever you need to do to get into a pose where you're like, oh, my gosh. This is amazing. It's not about forcing the body through anything or overly stretching through our joints, which is why it's very different from yin, but about really nourishing the body, allowing the body to gently open, but making sure that we're warm, supported, and we can really go deeply into relaxation, but while opening the body at the same time and, and, um, it's yeah deeply nourishing for our nervous systems which is why it's so good for new mums yeah Mm, yeah and i think it's still quite underestimated how important the nervous system is in Mm. pregnancy birth and postpartum and the way that the nervous system interacts with all the hormones we need to feel good minimize mental health issues achieve breastfeeding goals if that's what someone wants to do and heal Mm, so profoundly it's really like countering that stress <laughs> and it helps us um stop us being so depleted further along the path you know oscar serilak talks about that postnatal depletion complex where mums that you know your children get to three or four years old and if and and you're exhausted and you're questioning why you're exhausted but if you haven't had the opportunity to look after yourself in that first year there's no one, it's no wonder you get to your, your toddlers being four or five years old and you're thinking, I don't have anything left in my cup. So that's what, yeah, where restorative yoga can really be a key part of that. Mm, and I'm imagining also to help um, minimise and to help heal, but also to minimise other common issues like prolapse, displacement of the womb and that sort of thing too. Yeah, there can be poses that can can definitely be helpful in that as well, you know, and we can practice um, with mindfulness around that. Pelvic floor toning, all those sort of things can also be incorporated in that postnatal practice, yeah. Mm. I found an old book um, called The Lady's Handbook of Medicine, something like that, I can't remember exactly. Oh, look, my laptop's on it. Lady's Handbook, (laughs) something. I can't see the whole title. And it's written in the early 1900s. I think it might be a reprint, so it might have even been the late 1800s. And it's English-based, and some of it's, um, you know, really obscure and old-fashioned. There's a whole section on uh, preparing for birth and then confinement postpartum. Right. There's actually one position in there that's like a supported yoga position. Wow. <laughs> they, recommend, <laughs> they recommend massage and they recommend this position for women in the early postpartum to help prevent displacement of the womb and prolapse. Beautiful. Yeah, which I found really fascinating. (laughs) A really beautiful tradition um, that is becoming more popular now too is the closing of the bones tradition. So the ceremony of of binding mum and drawing the body in and and that's um, really just so beautiful to honour a, the honouring her body and, and the home that her body has provided for her baby and then also honouring the end of that early postnatal period to draw the body in and help knit all those, those muscle, those, um, though that tissue, you know, or it, not that it's been um, scientifically verified, but it, it, that idea of drawing the body in the pelvis and, and so on can really be beneficial to a mum emotionally as well. 
Mm, yeah, I actually do that for clients. So I study with myself, traditions. And so I've done that a few times on women. And there was one young mum in particular, who this, these sorts of practices was all, were all new to her. The massage I gave her was the first massage she'd ever had in her life. Um, and I did the closing of the bones on my own, which is um, much more symbolic because you can't get the quite the same strength as if you had two people doing it. And I think, yeah, like you said, even though there's nothing verified, I think there is something to triggering the muscle memory of being able to really pull that fabric close. And for people that don't know, the closing of the bones is where you have a long bit of fabric and you wrap it around, you go from usually starting at the head and you go down the body and you're kind of wrapping it around and pulling it in to bring everything in because you do, you feel so open, your rib cage, your pelvis, mm -hmm. everything feels quite, well, is more open mm -hmm. than it's ever been. And it's, I feel like it's triggering some sort of muscle memory, even though it's only holding it there for a short time, it's sort of just triggering that memory of yeah. pulling it in. Yeah. And she's actually said, this young mum said that that was the most profound experience out of everything I did the wow the yeah. uh, castor oil packs the massage everything yeah that closing of the bones she was really really moved by it mm -hmm. and on an emotional it's really level. yeah it's really powerful and and just giving that opportunity to to recognize everything our body's done I think as well you know that that is just such a beautiful gift to women yeah, it really is. So not only are you an amazing yoga teacher, you're a doula as well, as you said, and you can, I can tell you're really passionate about it. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about why you realise that a doula is so important and then what we know about um, how helpful doulas can be for birthing families. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I find, Shelley, that when I say I'm a doula, um, if people do know what a doula is, they often assume that doula's um, role is in home birth. And I sometimes have people say to me, oh, so you don't go to home births? And, or I said, well, I do go to home births. However, I really believe that the doula's role, which is to stay with a woman during birth, to be with women, is um, most profound within the hospital environment because we are that continuity of care that doesn't exist for women when they go to hospital to birth. So, um, you know, the, our role is to provide, to create that prenatal connection and, and check in that mum has that holistic support during, um, during her pregnancy to then be with her throughout established labour and to hold that space around her and her partner. And, you know, I often find that dads are a little bit not sure whether I'll be taking over their job or not. And, and it's, it, it's, we're really not there to take on, on the partner's role. We're there to hold that space so that they don't have to worry about everything else, you know. Um, and then obviously to be there to help them through that postnatal period that can be so um, sometimes daunting for new mums. So it's... Um, and, and therefore, I've found that that calling in the hospital has become even more important because we really are holding that birthing space. And when a mum walks into a hospital with a doula, it's a sure sign more than you're, you're the best birth plan that you want a holistic, that you want a natural birth because, you know, the fact that you've got a doula there. And I find that a lot of midwives will give you more space. They don't feel they need to check in as often because they've got somebody who knows about birth with the couple there so yeah mm. it's, um, yeah and there's lots of evidence for um better i'm always mindful of my language more um positive birth outcomes as well with birth doors yeah, and i guess that right. comes back to the continuity of care which we know now that when a woman or family has that continuity of care that um yeah more often there's less interventions and people have the birth outcomes that they want yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of my, you know, I, I found with when I, I've supported a second time mum, they didn't realise that they had the choices they, they could have had. And they get a doula the second time because they, they had a birth experience the first time that wasn't what they wanted. And it really made them realise that they needed to be stripped to know more about what they wanted in their birth and that they could be in control of that. So 
Um, second time round, they're like, right, I'm definitely getting a doula this time because I really want to have somebody that will help guide us, that will help support our beliefs. And, I, you know, often you might have a mum who knows she might have an idea of what she wants, but all she needs is just that little bit of support as, from us as a doula to help her feel confident in asking for what she wants, you know, to think that she's not crazy in not wanting to have the, the syntocin drip or not wanting to be induced. And she just needs that little bit of support behind her. And we're not there to make decisions. We're certainly not there to make decisions for couples. We're not even there to provide the direct information. We're there to help them find the information that or ask the right questions and to give them that support in their beliefs so that they get the birth that they want. So it's a lot of, um, we talk about in the donor training that I did the, um, with Penny Simkin, she and Deborah Pascali Bonero, she, they talk about the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you think of that, that, that um, tri pyramid. And while we have the medical team and the, care, the caregivers such as the midwives, there to look after the physiological needs of birthing mums. We're there at doulas to look after the emotional needs, so the next layer up. So we're, looking, we're taking care of all the heart stuff and making sure that a mum has that emotional experience that she will think of her birth in a positive way for the rest of her life, even if it didn't turn out like she wanted, even if she ended up with something that was not what she planned on, was she honoured in that experience? Did she feel supported in that experience? Did she feel empowered in the decisions that were made? And that's, and that, that's a role of a doula to really help her feel that that happened. Mm, yeah, exactly, and to feel safe, that feeling of safety. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot of the time you don't really know that you have options until someone tells you, <laughs> especially <laughs> even if you do know, it's still, hold, like you said, holding that space within the medical establishment, there's still this sense of um, authority and to be these like old stories of being like the good woman or the good mother that goes along with what is suggested by. Yeah. 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 And to know that, yeah, you can still have some autonomy in there. Yeah. And the emotional support is so important because it's such an emotional experience. And it's just yeah. amazing that we still have to <laughs> talk about that. But, we really are undoing a lot of cultural um, stuff. I'm doing a lot of research at the moment to when the traditional midwives of like, I'm looking at Ireland and Scotland, but this happened everywhere in the world. Um, the medicalization of the traditional midwives and when they were kind of made illegal, they were criminalized basically. And in that, a lot of the, um, the emotional continuum of care was lost. Yeah. Um, which is such a shame because there could have been a great integration of the medical advances in <laughs> inverted commas um, and that support when it's needed with that traditional wisdom and that continuity of care. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of it's been lost and it's interesting, you know, when I, a common answer I would have when I was running birth education classes, when a cup we'd, we'd ask couples, um, what what's important what do they want from the birth what sort of birth do they see as the best birth outcome and a lot of the time especially dads would say oh, i just want mum and baby to be safe to be safe and healthy but there's so much more past that you know yes of course first uh, first and foremost we do want that but What's almost as important is how a mum walked away feeling from that birth, you know, and she will remember that birth for the rest of her life. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if we have seven kids, we might get them a little bit mixed up sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's something that you carry with you for, for such a long time. And it's, you know, another term that I like to remember as a doula when I'm attending a birth is how will she remember this? You know, how will she remember this experience? And that is very close, follows very closely after the physio physiological health and well-being of mum and baby. Mm, and this is coming back to the matrescence, so that rite of passage, the yeah, yeah. huge epic life shift and mm -hmm. holding that in that experience, not just a medical event that comes and goes and out you go and back to life as usual, but, it, yeah, really being aware <laughs> that it, 
and and that birth no matter what the outcome if felt held and safe that's going to help with that huge transition yeah. into motherhood mm. yeah definitely it has a big effect on that the the experience first experience of motherhood yeah i just think it's so wonderful that doulas are becoming more common and people know mm. what they are and it's not um yeah, that more accessible. There's doulas everywhere and, and women and families feel comfortable. Actually, have you seen any of the conversations, this is sort of aside, um, around the term doula being a Greek word? Have you seen those at the moment going on? I haven't seen new conversations around it, no, other than the, the, the term meaning to be with or, I mean, there's lots of other types of doulas now, um, you know, we're morphing into this, there's death doulas and various other types of doulas, it appears. What, what's the conversation uh, that's most recent? Yeah, the um, term doula is actually a Greek word and mm-hmm. its derivatives are more along the lines of being a servant. Yeah. So then I think when Dana Raphael in the 70s revived it because she was looking for answers around how to support women and mothers well, um, she saw it as serving, but then some Greek women are saying, well, no, it's quite derogatory. There's other words. And I just wondered if you'd seen anything around it. Oh, Do- I haven't seen that. that it's created. It's got its own. Created. Sort of, yeah. But there is a definitely, a, I mean, I think as a doula, there's definitely a humbling approach to it. You know, I wash, I, something I do for some of my mums before or after birth is to, um, give them a foot bath and massage their feet, you know, and there's nothing more humbling. Um, well, I'm sure there are more things, but, you know, it's it's a very, there is that servile um, aspect to that, to kneel at a woman's feet. And I, you know, I, I think that's beautiful though, too, because I'm in such honour of her for where she's at, whether she's just given birth or she's about to give birth and to kneel at her feet and massage them is also a great honour. But there's definitely that sense of service for sure, you know, or making meals postnatally um, and bringing meals for, for families, as I often do as well. So um, I, I don't know whether it's such a negative term, the, the idea of serving, because we are serving families in, in you know, creating the greater good birth and, and beyond that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really morphed and shifted the word doulas kind of take on on its own modern meaning as words do. Um, Yeah. And it is of service and what better time to be of service to a woman if at any time in their life, it's when they birthed, they, um, that's when they should have people at their service. (laughs) Exactly. And not, and it doesn't happen enough. I mean, as well as I think as well as women, we're really bad at taking on or asking for help too. So, you know, being able to, allow people to help us is something that I think we could do with getting better at. Yes, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you find that part of the work is getting women to feel comfortable in accepting that um, support? Some, some are and some aren't. Some because they've actually come around to the idea of getting a doula or are quite okay with, with that. And I have to say they always welcome a meal. Um, and and then, you know, but, but so, yeah, I'd say some women... Um, do, str- do struggle with being okay with with you helping them find help even um, because obviously as doulas, unless we're employed as a specifically a postnatal doula, we're not, we can't always help as much as we'd like to and we can see that sometimes some families do need that extra help. So trying to find ways to um, avenues where family or friends might be able to help them. With some women are, yeah, some women can welcome that but some women... Um, it's much harder for them to to feel comfortable with that. Mm. Almost like they they feel that that's their role to to support the family and therefore that they should be doing that. Mm. Yeah, I guess the ones that have made that decision are already, yeah, more comfortable, but it's the ones that um, maybe don't even know that they have an option or don't feel like they deserve it. Yeah. Hopefully we'll listen to this and feel a bit more deserving of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got some great blogs too on your website and also, so I'd love to chat um a little bit about both bliss baby yoga so you're co-director there and you've got your own business as well conscious life yoga and conscious birth um yeah share a little bit about that so bliss baby yoga it's really beautiful big growing (laughs) yes bliss baby yoga is just being i've been so um thrilled to become part of Bliss Baby Yoga sort of towards the beginning of last year. Um, 
and such an amazing group of women. So as I was explaining to you before, Shelley, we're actually spread out quite a bit. We've got a lot of teachers in Byron Bay and Anna, um, the founder and um, other director is in Byron Bay. But we also have um, Robin, who is our operations manager. She's down in Melbourne. And then we have our marketing uh, guru, Beth. She's, she was in New Zealand and she's just moved back to the UK. Um, so we have meetings. Our Zoom meetings are sort of done on the time span of, of um, accessing all those different areas. And we are creating, we, I mean, our only problem at the moment is having enough time to create all these different ideas that we have. So while we're continuing to build on the birth side of things with a, an active birth module coming out with the beautiful Mari, um, who's in Sydney, and then we have, um, we're going to be creating some doula offerings with Anna Watts of Celebration of Birth, um, who you may have met also. Um, we're going to, we've got our Fertility Level 2 teacher training um, coming out very soon this month. I've been working hard bringing all that together. And that um, is, we've got teachers. Again, we use lots of, we have we use lots of different amazing teachers to bring our courses together, which means that we have lot um so much wisdom so our fertility yoga training is with tanya neat who runs moon tribe yoga down in melbourne and um rosie matheson up in byron has contributed to that as well as anna watts too so it's we've got this just beautiful wisdom from all these women and that will be out this month um as well as a women's yoga teacher training coming up too so yeah just so much going on it's just trying to find the time to keep up with it um but I, I've still found um, that my own business and my own work in um, doulering and the prenatal yoga and so on, that's been essential because it provides that balance. I still need that face-to-face -face work because a lot, all our, because our Bliss Baby yoga um, work is online, we don't have the same opportunity to have the face-to-face experiences so i'm yeah I, I don't think i'll ever stop doing the the face-to-face -face prenatal train um teaching and the the doula work because it's essential yeah it's a great balance yeah so bliss yeah. baby been online before everything went online <laughs> yeah i know it, it was we've been doing it for about 10 years now and now all of a sudden everyone else is like oh we've got to add, add, put things in online so We've, um, I mean, with that, that is though, I guess our, our advantage is that we've already got so much online there and we, we're just continuing to, to um, build on that. We're always updating it um, and, and then being able to create more online courses on top of that. So I think that's um, been wonderful. But yeah, COVID, the lockdown has been a very busy time for us because we have people doing our courses from all over the world, Sweden, Dubai, um there's lots of people in the states of new zealand england france yeah pretty pretty much all over the world we have we, um, people doing our courses so yeah oh, amazing and, and all those, yeah i didn't know yeah. that she moved back to the uk i knew she was in new zealand but i didn't know that she oh right yeah she's gone back to the uk for a while she's got three little kids and needs some family around so yeah that's good good to hear yeah, I've heard wonderful things about uh, Bliss Baby Yoga's courses. They're really thorough. And like you said, so much wisdom there collectively between you all, which is really, yeah, high-quality courses online, which is great for women to do around mothering. Well, exactly. And I think that's why it works so well um, because the people that are trying, that are doing our courses are generally women and often mothers especially for the pre and postnatal courses and all those extra modules and the fertility um and so you can fit it in around your kids exactly so it's when they're asleep or you know and when they're or if they're at preschool for the day or you, you can just fit it in when you need to and that's i think why it works so well yeah and are most of them pre-recorded? Are there any lives in there as well? Um, the course, the the coursework itself is pre-recorded, but we have like we have um, a Zoom session with one of our educators at the end of the course, and also you have the option in the middle of the course too, so that you then have that opportunity to ask lots of questions face to face. 
Um, and that creates a more human element to the course as well. So, you know, it's, um, and, and everyone who does our courses say that they really love that time of, you know, being able to connect with one of our teachers to do that. Yeah, that's a good balance. So you have rounds, you open up for rounds when that live happens. Uh, no, they book in their own. It's one-on-one. So, oh. yeah, so when you do your pre, when you do your training, um, and you come, you can do it half with the prenatal and postnatal training. You can do have a session halfway through and you just email Robin and she'll book it in with a time that suits you based on, of course, the time zones. And it's one-on-one. So our facilitators work around, around you. And then you'll have, and then at the end of each course, there's always that option to have a Zoom meeting then. Um, or as fact, it's, it's not an option on most of the courses. It's part of the requirements. Um, and some of our newer courses, we also um, ask you to teach us a couple of poses, which is not meant to be intimidating in any way, um, but it really helps us help you. And so, yeah, it's, it's completely um, personal. And that means that we make a time that suits you and you have a one-on-one -on -one session, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, about 45 minutes to even an hour. Wow, that's fantastic. What a great... Yeah, to know yeah. that that's there and to really, yeah, clarify things. And it's good for people to um, find that confidence to then show you and teach you. Yeah, some... yeah. so that, that's our latest, our restorative yoga, um, restorative yoga level two training has that mm -hmm. element to it. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. And you've also got one on the pelvic floor. And, yeah, there's a huge variety. Yeah, lots. Yeah, so much. And we're really, Anna's just been filming our women's yoga teacher training last week with um, Eleanor up in Byron. So that's going to be a hugely popular one too. And, again, you can, you know, women can do it from anywhere. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's like I said, it's just boundless in all the, the exciting things that we can create. So um, it's just Finding, just got to find the time so to yeah. get it all right. Yeah. And is it mostly yeah. yoga teachers coming to do like extra personal development or do you have doulas and other just women? Um, mostly, mostly yoga teachers, but we do have some doulas. And, of course, when we do have our doula offering up online, that won't be um, only yoga teachers that can do that. Um, and, but it is really beneficial if you're a doula, for example, and you want to know a bit more about prenatal yoga training. Um, prenatal yoga you could do our, our course but we do ask that if you're going to be teaching yoga in any way you need to have done that um initial um to at least 200 hour training first before you you then do our courses so they're they're, they're really highly i mean the, the great thing about them is that they're highly specialized courses so once you've done that initial yoga teacher training maybe face to face with someone that allows you to build on on that and do it from wherever you are because a lot of women doing our courses there's no way in the world they'd be able to do um a prenatal yoga training where they live because something like that might would never be offered there so you know it's um it's really helpful in that way too yeah exactly yeah there's a lot of areas that don't have it well that's exciting and that you're going to have a dual training awesome i'll stay tuned and i'll make sure i share when that happens yeah when it comes out so yeah. that'll be um birth and postpartum doulering will that be uh, we're looking at birth at the moment birth. yeah so we're, we're looking at that offering bringing that up next that'll be next year so great yeah. exciting yeah. <laughs> well yeah. thank you nadine it's been really lovely to connect a bit lovely more and have you on and chat face to face we've been following your instagram my Instagram, uh, it's its a bit quiet, my Instagram lately. Too much goes into our, um, our Bliss Baby Yoga one now. So. Yeah, <laughs> my, poor old my poor old personal um, business one is, is not as busy as it used to be. I have to give it a bit more love. <laughs> I think it's always a good sign when Instagram accounts have lulls. Yes, they're always busy and... <laughs> in their own work unless they unless they have someone that they're they they're big enough to be employing someone yes. to do it for them i guess exactly. but um yeah, yeah for my own business i do it myself so right. yeah it's been quite <laughs> too much work on but i'll pop all the links up too so i'll pop up to your Thank website you. and instagram but if you can quickly just tell people um where to find you what your instagram mm. handle is and website and i'll then i'll yeah. Great. So yeah, Instagram, I'm Nadine O'Mara, Conscious Birth. Um, and you can also friend me on my Nadine O'Mara on Facebook too. Um, and I have Conscious Life Yoga. My business has a business page on Facebook as well. My website is 
consciouslifeyoga.com.au. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, through Bliss Baby Yoga, of course, a lot of the offerings of Bliss Baby Yoga, um, uh, you'll find me there as well. So we have our Bliss Baby Yoga Facebook page um, or Facebook and Facebook group too, which is really um, very active group of women who are passionate about women's health and birth. So there's all the time women um, supporting each other on that group as well. And then you've obviously got um, our Bliss Baby Yoga on, on, the, on Instagram as well. So lots yeah. of different avenues. It's a great Facebook page. And like I said, your blog's good, but the Bliss Baby Yoga blog is also awesome. And you've written for that. And you have and I write, yeah, I write quite a lot of blogs for Bliss Baby Yoga. So yeah, yeah it's a really great. I'm a lot of blogs on the blissbabyyoga.com page too. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And yeah, thank I'll you. look forward to seeing as all the new new ventures come up, dooling and courses, and I'll share them. Brilliant. Likewise, Shelley. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, we'd love for you to contact us and share any ideas you have for future podcasts and to share that with friends and family or anyone who might get something from the podcast. Leaving a review on iTunes is really helpful as well because it helps us uh, be seen and share what we're passionate about more. Thank you.